Got world. so many strongest soldiers, so it's never over Even if you need someone to hold you to keep your composure Even on the days you're moving slower and can't seem to focus You were meant for greatness and you know it, you just gotta show it Know you question life a couple times, but it's okay, you growing Know you gotta read between the lines, but it's okay, you on it Know you got some people in your life that's gonna make you want it Know you got some people by your side when you look into their eyes All you ever do is smile, cause they make you worth it Already know this life ain't perfect, but you gotta work it Welcome kings and queens to One Sick Bee. I am your host, One Sick Bee. Here at One Sick Bee, we don't cry, we thrive, we don't whine, we whine. The definition of One Sick Bee is a strong individual that faces unimaginable, undeniable, courageous battles that life throws at you without warning, but you refuse to carry the spirit of brokenness. But today, I'm here with Miss T. Hill. She is none other than the Northern uh, New Orleans Treeport, right? Tree. Treeport, Louisiana, assistant district re- attorney. Actually, she's retired. My girl has retired from being on top forever and bossing up. But today, I want to speak to her about MS and probably, uh, most likely, we're going to speak to her about prevention of home invasions just because due to a home invasion that I recently encountered. But thank you, Miss T, for being here today with me. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So, Miss T, let's get into it. First of all, how have you been during COVID, this new norm? Uh, you know, um, I can't really complain. I will say that, you know, I am still very much proactive. I still wear my mask. Sometimes I'm the only one wearing a mask. But, you know, whenever you have a chronic illness, that's something that you have to think about. You know, you, you have to think about how certain things might affect you. It's, of course, going to affect you differently than it would affect someone else. So, Thank God, you know, my family has been well, I'm well, no complaints. We've been doing a good job with protecting ourselves. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Kings and Queens, Miss T is not only, like I said, the assistant district attorney, she also is an MS warrior. Miss T, can you please take me back to when you got diagnosed and if before getting diagnosed, if you've seen any symptoms that resembled what MS is now, it's known to you. Okay, so of course, um, like so many warriors, after being diagnosed, it kind of gives you, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, And it kind of helps you go back and you look and you think about all the things that you dismissed, the things that were going on with your body that you felt like, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And of course, those were certain indicators. So I did have symptoms. I just did not know what they were. Or I didn't know that they were tied to a chronic illness. Um, for instance, one of the symptoms that I have now that I think I battle with most is fatigue. Um, I am usually extremely exhausted, but I, you know, I was a law student for years. Um, I graduated law school. I went straight into the practice of law. You know, I was a research attorney for a few months. Then I became an assistant district attorney where our case volume was just rather heavy. So you really didn't get a lot of time to rest. And so for me, I attributed my, you know, exhaustion to, hey, you're just busy. That's just a part of life. That's just a new norm for you. And you just get used to it. Mm. Um, Another symptom I can recall is kind of shortly before I got married, I remember, I think it was maybe my right shoulder. um, I would have like this little numb tingling in my shoulder and we assumed, and I say we because it was me and, and my husband, my then fiance at the time, we assumed that it was like a pinched nerve or something, or, you know, maybe you're carrying two big handbags or whatever the yeah. case may be. 
we always attributed it to something other than health. Cause I just knew it wasn't my health. Um, for the most part, I, I worked out. Um, I was physically fit. I was in shape, but that really doesn't have anything to do <laughs> with chronic illness. It really doesn't. Um, but I was actually diagnosed after I had my second child back in 2019. So I remember he had just turned one and um, around that time I had so much going on. I was um, kind of mourning the loss of a friend. It just happened out of the blue. Um, she passed away. I remember us driving down to South Louisiana because I'm in North Louisiana, but I remember driving down to South Louisiana to um, be at her funeral. Her funeral was that Saturday. Well, we had to drive back. I ended up leaving after the funeral. My husband and I drove back up that that Saturday evening. I had a murder trial that Monday. I had a double homicide. Um, I was trying the murder of two young men um, who was just, you know, senselessly gunned down by an individual. Um, so I had to, I had to be back, and you know, I had to be present. I had to be in the moment. And so I'm grieving on, you know, one end and then another end. I'm like, well, we're in the middle of trial. It's trauma. Yeah. Business. So I've been yeah. I've been prepping. Oh, by the way, y'all, she's a special prosecutor. She don't do those <laughs> average cases. Okay. She do the ones that we see on, like, you know what I'm saying? The TV shows, the real ones, the homicides, <laughs> the sex crimes that this, this is, she's a boss. Okay. So I was prepping, right. I, I'm, I'm preparing and, and for people that don't know what we do, and like I say, as an ADA, as a special prosecutor, typically I try the most egregious cases. I try the murders. I try the serious sexual assaults. And I hate to say that because all sexual assault is serious, but I try the ones that are aggravated in the state of Louisiana. So typically your ones that are involving weapons or your rapes that are involving multiple individuals raping one person or the rapes that involve um, children, you know, sadly, I have to say, I can't even tell you how many sex cases I've tried where my victims were, you know, children all under the age of 13. So unfortunately, those type of things happen. But I was prepping. I was getting ready to go to trial. And like I said, it was the murder trial of a defendant who was responsible for killing two young men. And so in my mind, I'm like, OK, well, although I'm grieving, I still have a job to do, you know what I mean? Because there are two families who are, who have missing their loved ones. They're never going to come back. So I can't, you know, put myself and say, well, I'm tired or I'm exhausted or I'm sad. I can't do that. I still have a job to do. And so we rushed back, um, that Monday morning, I went into trial. We tried the case. Um, he was found guilty. And I want to say that weekend, shortly after, I think that weekend we had, um, something at the office going on. We had an event that Friday. And at the time I was supervising um, a section with support staff. And um, I think it was two other younger lawyers who at the time I was their supervisor. So they weren't as experienced as me, but I was responsible for getting them to the level that they needed to be on because certain cases they were responsible for trying. So I had to train them and you know, different things oversee their prosecution as well. Um, so we have those stresses going on too. We have, you know, like I say, the loss of a friend. We have this double homicide. And then um, all of a sudden I noticed that my left eye, I was seeing spots. It started off and it, it really started off during the week while I was in trial. 
I'm starting to see spots in my eyes. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. What, you know, what it is. It, it almost looked like, you know, as a kid, if you were to stare at the sun for a long time and then yeah, you were to look times. away in those spots, that's what it looked like to me. And so I remember casually mentioning it, but I didn't really give it too much thought because as I said, you know, you're thinking I'm busy. I have this going on. I have that going on. I have kids to take care of. I have a husband, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, Always putting ourselves last without yes, trying to put ourselves yes. last. Yes. And that's one thing I've learned um, since this diagnosis. But as the weekend progressed, I noticed that it wasn't just spots anymore. It's like it was becoming dark and, and I was, my vision started to get blurry. Right. And so it went from not being able to focus to where it was very, very blurry to by Saturday, I'll say by Saturday evening, it was almost pitch black. And it was to the point where it was actually so scary that my husband and I, you know, we called my mom, Hey, can you get the kids? We're going to the ER. We go to the ER and um, we're not even there long. I, I thank God for, you know, the doctor that they had in the ER because he says he had me look at a chart and then he goes, um, I think I know. I think I know exactly what's going on. And he said, but the thing that I think this might be, I think I need to send you to an eye doctor immediately. So he says Monday morning, you don't go to work. You go to the eye doctor um, and it's a specialist. And, and once he sees you, if he confirms what I think it is, you need to be back here immediately because that means we need to go ahead and admit you. And so, you know, I'm thinking like, what the heck, you know, but I'm also afraid because I, at this point, I cannot see out of my left eye now. I am totally, it's just pitch black. Um, and I had never really had any type of symptoms or I, I've never had really many health concerns. So that scared the heck out of me. Um I get to the eye doctor on Monday. And the interesting thing about it, the eye doctor that he sent me to, I went to see that same eye doctor literally right after I had my son. So when my son was about eight weeks old, I scheduled an appointment because interestingly enough, those color spots, I was seeing those same little color spots right after I had the baby, probably when he was, like I said, about eight weeks, two months. Um, and when I went to the doctor, he said, well, I don't know what it is because your vision is better than perfect. He said, you have 2010 in one and you have 2015 in the other. So I'm not seeing what it is that you're seeing. So with him telling me that I dismissed it, of course, I just thought mm, maybe it's in my head. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I never thought about it again. Well, that was in 2018. That had to be August of 2018. Well, like I say, July of 2019 comes and then he sends me to this eye doctor and lo and behold, it's the same eye specialist. But this time he doesn't say that. He looks in my eye and he says, oh, he says, yeah, we need to get you to um, we need to get you to the hospital so that you can be admitted immediately. I'm calling them right now. Um, you and your husband get over there and, and they'll take it from there. And so we're thinking like, what in the world is going on? He says, well, I'll tell you right now. That eye doctor. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, they're calm, but the things that they're telling you kind of incites you. Like, Wait yeah. Hold up. Like, are you going to tell me what this is? What it is? And he says, well, it's optic neuritis. And he says, generally, we see optic neuritis in a certain 
set of people <laughs> but you're still not telling me what that set of people is right that happened to me that's so. the same way that my optimal i was having spots in the beginning he sent me to the ophthalmology said i see something you i only see a certain type of patients i'm going to refer you to this neurologist to further yeah so what and, does that mean to us and so you know, I, get, I get to the hospital and the funny thing is you know I'm so used to keep going and, and doing what I normally do. Can you believe I showed up to that doctor, the eye doctor, I had my heels on, I had my suit on, all kinds of stuff. So when I get over to the hospital, I don't even have anything to put on. I have a whole suit on. I have, you know, some four inch heels. Like, you know, I'm yeah. thinking I'm going to work. Sis can't even see out of her left eye, but for some reason she just felt like she was going to go to work, but whatever. That's, That's what we do. Okay. <laughs> But um, I get there and I am there doing their triage, right? And so at this point, I'm just kind of sitting there because it's almost like you go numb. You know, you don't, you don't know. You're just sitting there. And so one of the nurses comes in before the neurologist comes in to say anything. And he says, it's okay. You're going to be fine. You know, my brother has lived a long time with MS and it, it's fine. You're going to be okay. And so I'm kind of looking at him like, MS what are you talking about you know because at this point I don't know anything about MS the only thing that I knew and it's so it's so sad but it's like you know when you think things don't affect you you don't always go and research them right the only thing I knew was that I don't know if you remember the talk show host when we were younger Montel Williams. Williams. yes I knew Montel Williams had MS and I Me knew too. the speaker I knew the singer Tamia had MS, Me but too. I still never knew what MS was. I didn't know it was multiple sclerosis. I just knew it was MS, you know? Um, and so when he said that, I just kind of was looking like, what? what, you know, what are you talking about? I didn't ask him any questions though. I just kind of let him say what he said. And he just, he just kind of, he was like, you're going to be okay. And I'm thinking, what the hell are you talking about? And so at this point I'm looking at my husband and, literally have not said one word. I'm just listening. Well, then they get me in. I go, I have an MRI. Um, oh, it was like a series of tests. They even did the spinal tap. Um, it was just so much going on. But I want to say like about a day and a half later, the neurologist comes in and, and they do confirm that I did in fact have optic neuritis. And they said that they wanted to admit me for at least three days to give me solumedrol. Um, and so, of course, now I'm like, I know it's serious at that point. At the point you tell me you're going to have to admit me to the hospital for at least three days, I realized then, like, this is crazy. Because, again, I had never been in the hospital, but for to have my never baby. had any health concerns to have I to go to the hospital. You're informally, so casually, verbally healthy, should I say. It was shocking. You know, it was a bit much. Um but I thank God, you know, I know now what I didn't know. Um, it's It's been an interesting journey. It's been an adjustment for me. But I mean, I wouldn't really change anything, to be honest with you. You know, I, I like I say, I thank God because it's opened my eyes in so many ways, so many ways, you know. So it's yeah, it sucks. It does. Um but there were some some things that came out of it that I don't know if I would have ever, you know, gotten. I think there are times where I definitely took a lot of things for granted that I don't take for granted now. You know, I'm I'm happy for the ability to see my children grow. I'm happy for the ability to, you know, anticipate my third child. It's just 
it's so much. It's like it gives you a whole different perspective on life. And and for that, I'm thankful. For that, I'm grateful. Um, and I, like I said, I've had to make adjustments. But at this point, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Well, I have a question now because you have a career that is high stress level, high, mm-hmm. high, high, high stress level, high mental stress. Physically, uh, any type of stress affects your body. How did you keep going? Because the cases that you're trying, even when I think back then to some of the cases that you told me you're trying, I'm like, how are you separating that stress from pulling down on you physically? Well, I I know you have to compartmentalize things anyway because of what you're doing, but how? What What was your key besides God? So definitely... Um, I think now I have way better self-care techniques than I had uh, pre-diagnosis. I did not have very many and I didn't have any good ones. So now I I would say that I have way better um, techniques. But what I did, you know, initially when I first became a prosecutor, it sounds crazy for some people, but I enjoyed working out. And for me, working out was my way of decompressing, right? So I'd go to the gym almost, I'd say at least three to four times a week. Um, I'd get off work, I'd I'd do my job and usually I'm going straight to the gym or whatever the case may be. So that, believe it or not, I think that is what helped me. And I think honestly, that's what kind of kept my MS at bay for as long as it did because I was 33 at the time they diagnosed me. But the neurologist tells me that he believes that I, I've had it for a while and it just kind of went undetected. And so, like I said, initially when we were talking about, you know, early on, I was just dismissing things thinking, oh, it's not that it's, it's this is some this probably just attributed to stress or, you know, this may be just be in my head. I don't know. Oh, it's a pinched nerve or whatever the case may be. I'm thankful that, you know, being able to work out. I think that's what helped me. And I think that's what kept it at bay. So that's one of my tactics that I would do because whenever I work out, it's almost like I can kind of, like I said, I can decompress and and I don't have to think when you're working out, you don't think you just do what the task at hand is. And so it helps you. It takes your mind to a different place, you know? And so I think for me, that was probably my biggest, that's probably my biggest technique that helped me get away and helped me just not think about what was going on in front of me, you know, the stressors of my every day-to-day life. And then I'll say shortly after that, you know, I got married in 2014. Yeah, 2014. And then I had my daughter uh, January of 2016. So as you know, you're a mom. When kids come around, they change everything, you know? So then it's like that became my place of peace. You know, I I come home and that's, that's just my place. I'm able to get away from whatever the heck is going on at the office. I don't have to carry it home. My kids help me forget about it. So that was another, you know, I I would say another, it's not really a self-care technique, but that was another way I was able to compartmentalize all the stressors from my job and, and place them on the back burner. Even if it was temporarily, I was still able to do so. And then I think everything else was just merely the grace of God. You know, that's just it. Like there is no other explanation. I, I definitely if, understand. If I'm being honest with you, um, there are very few, I can only think of two. There are very few attorneys that I've come in contact with 
that actually have MS. Now, of course, no one's really discussing their health or, you know, no one's exactly. talking about their chronic illnesses, but for the most part, there were only two that I came in contact with. So it's not like, you know, this is something that is common for people in those high stress um, jobs or the high stress fields. And if I'm being quite frank, the neurologist told me on plenty occasions, hey, you've got to figure something out. You've got to cut your stress. And I'm like, well, you want me unemployed? What do you mean? You know, I understand. because all I ever wanted to do, even when I was in law school, I've always wanted to be a prosecutor. That's all I ever wanted to do. And I and enjoyed we- um, thank you. Thank we, you. We thank I enjoyed you at, uh, I've, I've spoken, well, you know, on a personal level, I've dealt with a family grief, uh, is how I've dealt with a couple of homicides in my family. And you guys are the ones that we lead to, to speak our truth for our family to get yeah. justice. So I always, um, I'm very thankful. Uh, my question is, uh, being that you're in this high stage job, you are going hard, you're thriving, your career's going well. How do you confront this to your employer to your supervisor and let them inform them that you have MS and how do we go about doing that especially when we have healthy careers like yours because that's people's fear it was my fear my career working at the state attorney just being executive assistant for you guys that this is the end of my career I was blessed with a good team of people where I could keep on going but how did you approach that being that you're the you know you're the lead So that was a tricky, that was a very, very tricky circumstance for me. And honestly, if I did not have to tell, I don't know that I would have. But remember, I told you I was a supervisor. So I was responsible for supervising a team of other lawyers as well as support staff. So I go to the hospital on that Saturday. They say, we're going to admit you for at least three days. So that means that I have to notify my team members and like, hey, look, I have some stuff on the docket. I need it to either be moved to a different date or I need another person to come in and and cover it for the moment. Apparently, I'm not going to be able to be there for the next few days. So it was one of those things that I kind of had to say something. Now, I necessarily didn't have to tell them what it was, but at that point, I didn't even know what it was, you know? Um, and, And I did eventually disclosed to my employer what was going on with me. I didn't tell everyone else around me, but I told my employer, my immediate supervisor. And, um, you know, it was interesting. At first, it was received as do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. And I say at first, because that's how it was. At first, everybody seemed to be supportive. Um, But I can recall a time period, probably about... I would say three, maybe about three months later, I noticed because my work doesn't stop. You know, it keeps going. It keeps going. And even when you're not there, there's always something else that could be done. So I noticed probably about three to four months later, I was starting to get drained and I was starting to just kind of mentally exhausted, you know, and I was talking to my neurologist and he goes, you've got to take some time off. And I ended up taking a a leave. I took a 30-day leave from work, which is not even, that's not any time. You know, that's not really very long. So I take a 30-day leave from work, and I'll be quite frank, that was not, um, they did not appreciate that. They did not appreciate that. And, And in fact, I think I was told, hey, you know, if this comes up, you should let us know ahead of time because you may not be able to take another leave. 
And I remember thinking, how inconsiderate, how inconsiderate, because here I am busting my butt for you. And then I decide to take my, my health into consideration and I put my health as a priority and you tell me you should think about, you know, whether or not you should take a leave because you may not be able to do that again. So that taught me a lesson there. Um, and then just kind of going on, I, I ended up staying, I will say, mm, I stayed for about three more years, which is crazy. You know, that that's crazy, but I didn't do it. it for, I didn't but do you it for the do, You did I, it for you. I did it more so because I'm a servant at heart. You know what I mean? There are so many people that are depending on me and there are so many people that depend on, you know, my obedience, me, yeah. me saying yes. You know, even when I don't want to say yes, there are other people's lives who are affected. And so what I got caught up in doing was kind of putting their <laughs> livelihood Before up. Were you? Yeah. And so really, I like, were you, I believe you listen, were. Listen, listen, I, when I tell you MS has taught me so many things that I just probably never really would have gotten, but for that, um, and, and to be quite frank, you know, we just said, I, I don't do that anymore. I'm a former prosecutor, but it took a while for me to kind of finally say, you know what, uh-uh, I'm putting myself first because at the end of the day, if anything happens to me, they're going to find somebody else to do that job. You know what yeah. I mean? They're, they're going to find somebody else to do it Yeah, and, and, and they're going to keep it moving. But here at my house, I'm mom, Nobody. I'm wife. Yep. So if anything happens to me, it's not that easy to move on. And so I literally had to take that into consideration and realize that you might be sac sacrificing way more than you think you are for the people that you love the most. You've got to listen. You've got to let it go. Even though you enjoy doing it, you've got to let it go because it's about them, not about, you know, what you want to do. And I know you want to help people, but we got to figure out another way. And so, yeah, I'm happy that you put you. Me too. Them, finally, me too. Me too. I'm happy that you were you were such a great servant, and I'm so thankful for those families to have someone like you because I remember going through it, and yeah. I already told you like you 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 the boss. You but at the same <laughs> time, I told you like yeah, but what about you? Because at the yeah. end of the day, family yes. misses out on you. So yes. recently, I went through um a home invasion. Uh, well, it didn't end up that way all the way. I I told Miss T I did the wrong thing. I probably should have called 911 first, but um, somebody tried to break in my house and I am a, I carry, I'm a licensed concealed carrier. I do keep a gun in my house. So I had that protection, but the thought of being disabled and somebody having a home coming and breaking into my home and me not being able to necessarily get to the weapon or to defend myself. What can you tell me about these type of cases that you've came across? Well, or what the would, we say. What I would say is, um, first and foremost, thank God that you were prepared, that you yeah. did have something and, and some mechanism, some way to protect yourself. Because sometimes we just, we let our guard down, especially when we're in our homes, you know, we often yeah. let our guards down. Um, anytime I've seen these type of cases happen, though, it's not always um, one as fortunate where the victim is prepared. You know, I've seen it happen both ways. I've seen it happen where they're prepared and they're ready to take down whoever it is, whatever intruder is coming in their house. And then I've seen it happen where they're 
just completely in shock yeah. and they don't they don't even know how to respond they just stand there and yes absolutely absolutely um so first and foremost thank god that you were actually prepared yeah. <laughs> if there is anything that i would encourage other people even well, i would say especially those who are disabled but even those who aren't disabled um be prepared you know don't put don't let your guard down whatever it is you feel that you need to do to protect you you make sure you do that because at the end of the day your life is more valuable than whatever it is that they want that's in your home so you be ready to you know stand up and protect that and so if that's a weapon if whatever that is whatever that mechanism is for you just try to have that in place try to have something you know, easily accessible some way, some manner to protect yourself. And I understand, you know, sometimes those of us who are disabled, we may not be so quick to get it or we may not be so close to it. That's just something that we have to think about. Um, but it's it's always one of those things that you're going to want to immediately call 911. Um, and then if you can, if you have anything, you know, that you can access quickly, anything near you, any type of weapon, you certainly want to protect yourself, do whatever you can to get out of that situation alive. Because at the end of the day, that's the number one goal. You want to make it out of that situation alive. Yeah. What about these people who are doing this? What are usually their ammo? Uh, of course, the, the police officer in my situation, um, he rubbed it off to drug usage. But, uh, you know, even if it was a drug usage and I've dealt with a family member on drugs, it, you know, you're invading my place of peace. And he knew, you know, I'm not sure if he knew the, the time of day because it was early in the morning. So he probably assumed that I was at work because normally I leave in the morning to go to work. I would say quite often, these are the type of crimes that are crimes of opportunity um, where they're looking and they're, they're saying, okay, well, this person looks like they might be an easy target, you know, and, and that's why I asked you initially, you know, how long had he been there? Because quite often we would be surprised that if we don't pay attention to what's going on around us, so often people are watching, people are constantly, you know, scoping and, and planning and doing different things. So it's, it's possible that he had, he had been watching you a while. And like we said, you know, those of us who are disabled, sometimes people think that that's an easy target. You know, it's, it's yeah. such a sucky thing. And it's like a trash thing. Like, what kind of person are you? Yeah. But, you know, quite often people think that we're fragile. We think they think that, you know, um, we can't, easily defend ourselves as someone else who isn't disabled so that's, that's something think. that you have to mm -hmm. always you know you have to always keep that in the back of your mind you know what do I have on me what do I have around me to protect me if someone does in fact decide to try me and so those are just things that you have to take into consideration but I can't say what this person's MO was or, or what yeah or what no I we say. can't say that per se yeah. right in my experience, I've seen them kind of watch and, and, and scope and who knows, it could have been drug use, but even if it was drug use, <laughs> that doesn't stop you from being harmed. You came into my home. So, yeah. it's, you know, at the end of the day, to me, you're an, an intruder, regardless yeah. of why you decide. Exactly. To it doesn't house. matter. It does not. Because I told you, I don't give a heck why. I just knew that I was locked and loaded. And thank yeah. God I was locked and loaded. At the time, like you said, yeah. it could have been different. And 
I think me going through just past life experience and losing yeah. people to violence, uh, homicide and gun violence, I just always Makes stay prepared. More aware. Yeah. yeah, I always stay prepared. I keep one in my room. I keep one in my yeah. bedroom. I'm, you know, so it's conveniently why I watch the TV because you come through the front door, you got to run all the way to the bedroom. So, I, yeah. you know, and that definitely changed um, yeah. how I move around. But what does Miss T have coming in the future for her? Because you have been a servant for many years and you have helped bless many families to get some type of peace. We are the ultimate peace we get later on comes from God, but the initial peace is when the person is found guilty. So Absolutely. what do you have for you? Because you are, have served so much. What can we look forward for you? Well, what I have decided to do, of course, like I said, with the new baby, um, it, it definitely was the confirmation that I needed, that it was time for me to take out take some time away from that line of work to focus on myself. So what I decided to do was I have gone into private practice with my husband. My husband is also an attorney. Um, and so we have our own law firm and, and that's just what we do. And that gives me the leisure to be there for my children, to be more accessible to them, to have a more flexible schedule. You know, I'm not in trial every month. I'm not preparing for a trial. I'm not, you know, so yeah. it, it gives me a little bit more freedom of course, it's nowhere near as stressful. Um, will I probably miss it? Maybe. Um, not right now, though. I don't miss it right now. You know, right now I am just enjoying, you know, being with my family. I'm enjoying new uh, ventures. Um, I'm still in the practice of law. I, I still enjoy what I do. And I still ask God to use me as the vessel to bless his people. And with that in mind, I'm, I'm just like, listen, I'm here, God, whatever it is you want me to do, let's go. So we Can have, you go ahead. Ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, yeah, we focus more on our, you know, our own personal, our law firm, our family, our personal life. We've done more prioritizing to focus on what we have going on versus, you know, these high profile crimes and, different things like that, because, you know, it, it just puts you in a different headspace when you're in that line at work, because, you know, so often people know you that you don't know, you know, and, and you don't know <laughs> yeah. who's upset. So you can't necessarily take your children to the grocery store with you. You have to just, there's just so many different factors that come into play when, you know, you do prosecution and even any type of law enforcement in general, you know, when you're yeah. in law enforcement, Life for you is a little different. And so I think for me, it's just been a breath of fresh air, you know, because I feel like, man, I don't have to be so uptight anymore. And, and now I'm still on guard, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm, of course. Hey. Hey, right. Get ready. It's but different. Yeah, it's it's a lot different. And I'm just kind of thankful for that ability. Um, can you give my kings and queens, before I certify you once it be, can you give my kings and queens some advice? Um about thriving through life with a chronic illness, but still being the best, showing up as the best best version of yourself. Mm. So whenever I first um, started my page, Illegally Triumphant, the biggest thing for me was that I wanted to be what I needed at that moment. You know, at that moment, I didn't see people thriving. Cause you know, when you start Googling and looking what multiple sclerosis is, you get all these pictures that sometimes are rather frightening. So it makes yeah. you think that life as you know it is over. And 
to an extent, life, as you know, it has changed. It's not the same. And you're going to have to adjust to what your new normal is. But that doesn't mean that you have to lie down and give up. You know what I mean? Like you can still go life. You can still have life. You can still enjoy life. You can still thrive in life. Now you have to make adjustments. There are things that I do now that I did not have to do. So, you know, earlier on where I enjoyed working out and I worked out more leisurely. Now I have a trainer and I have to work out because that's just what I have to do to stay on top of my fatigue. Or if I, you know, want to watch what I'm eating, different things like that, because certain things actually trigger other things in your body. So you have to be mindful of your diet and different things that you're eating. And it's, it's a lot. But guess what? It's not too much. It's not too much, you know, and there there are some days I would be remiss to act as if there aren't bad days. There are bad days. But the way I see it, even if I weren't, you know, <laughs> an MS warrior, there would still be bad days. There would still be bad days. So it's like, what's the difference? You know, your bad day just might not look like mine. But guess what? I still get up because guess what? Just as there are bad days, there are good days, too. And so, again, I'm thankful um, and I look forward. I look forward to see what it is, you know, that I'm able to accomplish, even though, you know, I have this weight on my shoulder, this weight of MS where people are looking at you and they're saying, oh, my God, I never would have thought, oh, my God, you don't look sick. Are you are you sure? You know, that all the ignorant questions. But that's another topic for another day when we have a little more time. We already know. Right. We already yeah. know. But even with all that, you still go, you still thrive, you still push, because guess what? There's a fighter in you. And the thing is, there's a fighter in you that not everybody has. Not everybody has, and not everybody will understand. But go for it. Go for it. This is my favorite part of my podcast, um, to certify you one sick B, Miss T Hill. You already know how special you are to me. But um, for you being out here and thriving, uh, going through this chronic illness that we have, it's not easy. You make it look easy, but you're out here defending people who have been harmed in more volatile ways than just us going through the MS. As being a survivor of a family member who, of, of being a survivor of family members who have been, uh, went, I've been through homicide, which me and you already have talked about, uh, but being a survivor of a family of a person who you've lost to homicide and having somebody like you in your corner who fights for you and you fighting for justice of all, not matter the color, creed, culture, you've That's always cool. fight for the rights. So um, the definition of one sick B is a strong individual that faces through unimaginable, undeniable, courageous battles that life throws at you without warning, but you refuse to carry the spirit of brokenness. Miss T, I am certifying you one sick B and thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it, man. You don't understand. I think I've told you before, but I'm going to tell you again. I thank you for what you do and for being you, because at the time I was diagnosed, I needed you. I needed you. I'm, I'm so thankful that I found you. But I say that to say that there are so many people that, you know, they need other warriors like you in their lives. And, and thank you for what you do, because it doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, kings and queens. Till next time, thank you for listening to One Sick Beat.
Know you question life a couple times, but it's okay, you grown. Know you gotta read between the lines, but it's okay, you on it. Know you got some people in your life that's gonna make you want it. Know you got some people by your side when you look into their eyes. All you ever do is smile, cause they make you worth it. Already know this life ain't perfect, but you gotta work it. You gotta adapt to the pain, and you got used to hurting. You're the one that's needed help, you used to offer service. You're not alone, not by yourself, now don't forget that. You're always fighting, always fighting for the get back And you always trying, always grinding and I'm with that You're such a fighter and your strength is where your gifts at You know every day's a fight but every day you getting up and perform When you think it's nothing left you gotta know you got more Let's not forget that God sent his strongest soldiers to war Like, God sent his strongest soldiers to war Every day's a fight but every day you getting up to perform And when you think it's nothing left you gotta know you got more Let's not forget that God sent his strongest soldiers to war Like, God sent his strongest soldiers to war